Well, good morning, New Life Church. It's a blessing to be with you all here on the Lord's Day. If you take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 23. We continue in our series, Hypocrisy and Grace, this morning. This will be the second last sermon in this uh, series. We've been studying the series of woes that Jesus spoke against the hypocritical Pharisees of his day here in Matthew chapter 23. And here in our passage, we have one of the most severe and serious messages that Jesus ever preached. Uh, This was his last public sermon that he was to preach. Remember, a a week after this, the Lord Jesus himself is going to be crucified by the same people that he is talking to. So this was his last public message. And seven times the Lord calls these Pharisees hypocrites. And there are eight woes that the Lord pronounces upon these Pharisees. And today we come to the last of these woes. And I believe this final woe here stands out from those that Um, came before, the ones that we studied before. This woe seems to have received our Lord's longest and and harshest treatment. Uh, Consider for a moment our Lord's strong words against the Pharisees. Look there in verse 33. He says, You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? The Lord spoke much about hell. And that word... Translated hell is the Greek word Gehenna, which speaks of eternal judgment. And our Lord is speaking of judgment here in this passage. And the lost hypocrites were hell bound. They were on their way to hell. And who would have imagined that such words as these would come out from the gracious lips of our, our gentle Savior? But let's read together Matthew chapter 23. We'll be reading from verse 29. To verse 33. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and the wise men and the scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. Let's stop there this morning. Why don't we pray before we study God's word together. Dear Lord, we ask you to please settle our hearts this morning as we come together to learn from your word. We pray, Father, that you would keep the distractions um, away so that we would concentrate on you today. We pray, Lord, that the Spirit of God would have full access to our hearts and our minds as we engage with your word now. We pray, Father, that your Spirit would open our eyes, that he would open our ears, that he would open our hearts to what it is he has for us this morning. We pray, Lord, that he would convict us where we need to be convicted. 
that he would comfort us where we need to be comforted. So we pray for your help, Holy Spirit, this morning, that you would receive the glory today from all that we say and all that we do. We pray that we would respond in a way that is pleasing to you today. So we pray for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. So I wonder if you have ever heard of Build-A-Bear. There's a Build-A-Bear store in Yaz Mall, and last year we uh, took Eden there to celebrate her, her birthday with a few of her friends. At the store, you can create one-of-a-kind stuffed animal, a stuffed toy, and there's a huge variety of toy, toys that you can choose from, from different sizes and different colors, and the first thing you do is choose the type of, of bear that you want to build, but when you get this bear, it's just an empty-shaped uh, bag, which you then have to stuff with different material, and after, after you have um, stuffed the bear, there are accessories that, that you can add to your designer bear. You can add hats, you can add um, sunglasses, you can, you can even put on a little um, hearing aid if you wanted to. It's, um, the one bear had a little diabetes kit that you could use. Um, there were little passports that, that you could add on to your, um, to your bear, your designer bear, whether the bear wanted to travel. There were little wigs that you could put on there. Um, it was fun. It was exciting. I enjoyed it a lot, having a look at what was there. Um, you could even record your voice and, and put this little recording into the bear and he would speak your voice. There were, you could add a little heartbeat in there, even a little shaped heart you could put inside the bear. Um, there were all these accessories um, that were available. And as I was um, preparing this message this morning, I, I got to think of my experience at Build-A-Bear and the experience that we see here in Matthew 23 of... Of Jesus. And how different we see Jesus here in these pages than we than we do in many of the other parts of the, the scriptures. And I think many times people are tempted to want to create their, their own version of Jesus, just like Build a Bear. And some people would would like a, a God that they could fashion in their own image after their, their own likeness. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the scriptures tell us, And God spoke, and God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of man, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So the holy inspired scriptures teach us that we were created in the image of God himself. It's not the other way around. We don't get to create God in our image. We don't get to create God like you would create a, a little Build-A-Bear. I think it's the ultimate insult to God for for a Christian or anyone else to, to think that they can define Jesus, the Son of God, in any way that they, that they want to. But Jesus is not a build a bear where we just get the, the shell and then we can, we can stuff him in different ways and then we can add accessories as we, as we like. 
So many people would, would like a God who is just gentle and humble and loving and never judges or, or never punishes sin. And that Jesus is just an easygoing guy. He, there's no pressure from this version. And many people emphasize the, the gentleness and the, the humbleness in heart that we read about of, of Jesus. But Jesus is not a builder bear. We cannot make God in our image. A warm, cuddly, fuzzy, builder bear image. We are created in God's image, the scripture tells us. And we need to make sure that we have a biblical understanding of who God really is according to the, the scriptures. Even though the scriptures do tell us that Jesus is gentle and he is lowly in heart, where we can find rest for our souls and that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We read about that in Matthew 11. But that is just one dimension of who God is, of who Jesus is. We see from our passage this morning that, that Jesus is holy. We see that he is, in fact, God. And he is the God of justice as well. And there is a day of judgment coming, as we read in our passage. And Jesus is going to be this judge. He is going to be this judge. And here, Jesus calls the Pharisees blind guides. He calls them greedy. He calls them self-indulgent. He calls them full of hypocrisy. He calls them wicked. He calls them snakes. He calls them vipers even. Jesus even asked them how they would escape being condemned to hell. So this is, like I said, the most scathing and serious message that Jesus ever preached. Remember, he's got one week left to live. This doesn't really fit with the the cuddly, warm, and fuzzy Bilderbeer version of Jesus that we would like to worship. But this is the Jesus of the, the Scriptures. So let's see what the Scriptures say this morning. My first point we see in verse 29 and verse 30 is a monumental problem. A monumental problem that the Pharisees had. Let me read those verses. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So we've seen already in our series that the scribes and Pharisees were, were hypocrites. There was a huge problem that these leaders had, a monumental problem. And we'll see later on, it brought in a, a monumental judgment upon these people who were supposed to be leading people towards God. But instead they were standing in the way and redirecting people away from God. There was a huge problem here. And notice here the almost seamless transition from the, the previous woe that we studied last week to this new woe. Remember in verse 27, Jesus had described the the Pharisees has been like a, a beautiful tomb on the outside. Now he uses tombs again to expose another form of hypocrisy. And Jesus is in Jerusalem where the tombs 
of a number of the prophets could be found, the holy city. And true to their hypocritical form, the, the scribes and Pharisees made the tombs beautiful of the, of the righteous people. We see in verse 9, at verse 29, and we see there in verse 30, they made the, the tombs beautiful of the prophets as well. Even to this day, if you, if you go to Jerusalem, um, at the foot of the, the Mount of Olives, there are different memorials that have been, that have been built and erected to the, to the great men of Israel's past. You can see monuments and these shrines of Zechariah and Jehoshaphat and even Elijah. They, they built these monuments to those whom they considered to be God-fearing people. The people who were confronting people with their sins, the, the faithful preachers of God's word in the past. And though prophets such as Zechariah had been despised during their ministry, during their, their lifetime, they were now being honored by the, the scribes and Pharisees during Jesus' time. In verse 29, Jesus says the, the Pharisees decorated the monuments of the righteous. Well, the word decorated is the Greek word cosmio, from which we get our English word cosmetic from. And it means to put in order. In the morning when you're putting your cosmetics on, you're putting your face in order, okay? And that's what they were doing. They were decorating and they were adorning the, the memorials that had been built in memory of, of some of the great ones of Israel. Many who had been put to death because of their commitment, their uncompromising commitment to what God had said. They were not willing to compromise, and as a result, they were killed. By doing this, the scribes and Pharisees were trying to give the impression that they too were, were righteous. The scribes and Pharisees made it very clear that they would have had nothing to do with treating the righteous in such a way, in such a way that their, their forefathers did. But Jesus saw right through this as self-righteous hypocrisy. Look at verse 30. The Pharisees were saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would have not taken part with them in shedding the blood of the, the prophets. They were claiming that they were in full agreement with the, the message and the ministry of the prophets, who their forefathers had put to death. They professed to identify with the ministries of Zechariah and Jeremiah and Micaiah. They boasted that they were just as committed to God's truth as Isaiah was or Elisha was or Elijah was. And these Pharisees are saying, you know, if we lived in the days of Elijah and the days of the prophets, we would have been the first to say amen to their ministries. As they preached. And what they were trying to do clearly is to, is to distance themselves from the, the deeds of their, their murderous forefathers who had killed these men of God. But of course they were being hypocritical. Even though they were boasting, they were being hypocritical. Because the Lord reveals this. They were no different to their forefathers. And Jesus makes it clear that these Pharisees stood self-condemned. They stood self-condemned. While they were busy building these monuments and, and decorating them, they were claiming that they 
would have had supported the, the Old Testament prophets. At the very same time, while they were doing this, they were plotting the murder of the greatest prophet who had ever walked this earth. Remember, a week after this, they would put Jesus on the cross. And the prophet, the, these Pharisees claimed to be better than their forefathers. They claimed to love the, the truth that the prophets preached. But they rejected the incarnate truth. They rejected his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is just hypocrisy. Flat out hypocrisy. They were boasting that they were, they were orthodox. They were boasting that they were fundamental and that they were conservative in their faith. If we had lived in the days of our forefathers, we would have supported the, the prophets of Yahweh. It was nonsense. It was a lie. Jesus knew their hearts and he exposed their hearts because he knew what was going to happen. One commentator by the name of Alexander McLaren, he put it this way, honoring dead prophets while seeking to kill living ones is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. The Pharisees built these beautiful monuments in, in honor of these prophets who their forefathers had, had killed. And they boasted that they were in agreement with the, the prophets. You know, they claimed to be followers of Isaiah, Isaiahists or Zechariahists or Jeremiahists. But the Lord exposed them as hypocrites. But the truth is we often are tempted to fall into similar traps, aren't we? You know, you just open up Facebook and you scroll through Facebook. I do this often. And we see people who are quoting famous dead Christians and liking and loving their quotes. And I see it all the time. I do it all the time. I copy and I paste them and I send it to other people. You know, quotes of Martin Luther and quotes of... Billy Graham and quotes of R.C. Sproul and, and Jonathan Edwards. We like these quotes of these dead saints. But as I was thinking of this, I saw a quote of John Wycliffe. John Wycliffe was a, a godly man who opposed the, the lies of the, the Roman Catholic Church. He defied their perverted doctrine of the Lord's Supper. And he translated the Bible into English against the wishes of the, the Roman Catholic Church. And he opposed them. And he ended up being in exile because of his commitment to the, the Word of God. He was a man who, who was wanted by the Roman Catholic Church his, his whole life. Now, 40 years after his death, the Roman Catholic Church excommunicated him, put him out the church, and they even exhumed his bones, and they burned his bones. That's how much they, they hated him for what he had done. He had translated the Bible into to English. And as I reflected on the story, I had to ask myself this question. You know, how committed am I to the Word of God like John Wycliffe was? Now, how committed are you to the Word of God like John Wycliffe was? 
Are we striving to be like these saints of the past, like Martin Luther and Billy Graham and R.C. Sproul? How committed are we to the, the Scriptures? Now, here's a question. Would, would you be willing to make a stand like Wycliffe did or some of the other martyrs who died for their faith? Would you be willing to suffer all the things that they did for the, the truth of God's Word? You know, it's one, one thing to copy and paste some of their quotes. It's another thing to, to live like them, isn't it? I mean, I hope that you would say, of course we would do that. And yet we should be careful. We should be careful. Because if we are not reading our Bibles, if we are not sharing the gospel with others, if we are ashamed of quoting the Bible in the workplace or in the school, or we are ashamed to give thanks for food in public places, then most likely we are not as Wycliffian as we might claim to be. And we can claim these great men of the past. And we can say we would have done what they had done in the past. But what about the present, folks? What about the present? So easy to copy and paste these sayings. But what about the present? In the next verses, Jesus makes an even more serious application here. The next verse starts with, therefore. In verse 31, he says, Therefore you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Verse 32, Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Here's this monumental judgment that came from their monumental problem. The Lord makes it very clear that they are no different spiritually than their forefathers were. The proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Their actions betrayed them. Their deeds identified them as sharing the same depraved character as those they were now condemning. As we say today, like father, like son. And to paraphrase what the Lord was saying, don't fool yourself, he says. We both know what you are. I know what is in your heart. You are as murderous as your religious forefathers. Guilty as charged. The Lord is not mincing any of his words here. He doesn't have a lot of time left to play with words. He has been as direct as he possibly can. The scribes and the Pharisees were not innocent. They were, they were guilty. They believed that they were right and that the prophets were, were wrong. They thought that they were innocent, but the, the prophets were guilty and, and worthy of death. And proof of that is in the way the scribes and the Pharisees rejected the words of condemnation of even John the Baptist. Even John the Baptist who used similar words. And Jesus uses this harsh language because they were self-righteous. They felt that they were, that they were righteous and the prophets were, were wrong. 
And they found words of condemn, condemnation harsh and, and inappropriate. And they didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say. So they just put him to death. They were not willing to hear the truth. They were not willing to humble themselves and, and see their sin. And they put Jesus to death. They shut up the prophet of God, the son of God. And these scribes and Pharisees were anything but humble. They were proud. In fact, doing everything they could to cover up their, their sin. Teaching other people how to sin. Teaching other people how to justify their, their sin. I found a few verses, a few passages that really are in total contradiction to the way that the scribes and Pharisees responded. And I want you to consider these texts as we look through them, in which these godly men of old identified themselves with the sins of their forefathers and how they responded and how we all are to respond. The first passage is in Nehemiah chapter 1. Follow with me on the screen there in verse 5. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Very different to the way the Pharisees were responding. Psalm 106 verse 6, we read it this morning. Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have, we have done wickedness. The Psalm of David. Jeremiah, the prophet, he says in chapter 3, verse 25, he says, Let us lie down in our shame and let our dishonor cover us. For we have sinned against the Lord our God, we and our fathers, from our youth even to this day. And we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. Completely opposite response to the scribes and the Pharisees. Daniel, here's another example. In chapter 9, verse 4, he prays to the Lord. He says, my God and my confession. He says, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. Verse 7, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. But to us, open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that you have committed against, because of the the treachery that, sorry, that they have committed against you. To us, O oh Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned 
against you. Total contrast there, isn't it? Unfortunately, the scribes and Pharisees did not listen to God's servants. They would not listen even to the prophets who came and spoke in God's name. Remember, John the Baptist was a prophet. He was the last Old Testament prophet. They would not listen. They would never have admitted that they were wrong. They would never have admitted that they had sinned against God. And that being the case, Jesus has some very strong words for them. Words of condemnation for these scribes and the Pharisees. The strongest words that we've seen so far in this chapter. The scribes and Pharisees share in the guilt of their ancestors for killing the prophets who came in the name of the Lord. We see here in verse 32, they actually fill up the measure of their sins of their forefathers. They are snakes. We see in verse 32 and 33. They are the offspring of snakes. And they will not escape being condemned to hell. These are strong words, folks. Strong words. Israel had a history of murdering her prophets and opposing the truth of God. And the Lord compared this trend to a, to a measuring cup that is close to overflowing, right on the edge. And then he gives, in effect, what is a prophetic commandment. He says, verse 32 and 33, Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. What he's saying here is, go ahead. Go ahead and commit your crowning deed. Let the cup overflow. It was inexcusable how their, their forefathers had treated Isaiah and Jeremiah and Zechariah. But the worst was still to come. Their crowning deed was for this generation, not the generation in the past. It was for these Pharisees. They were going to murder the very Son of God. Of whom the prophets had prophesied about. And so a few days afterwards, the most privileged of all generations who had the Son of God walk with them and talk with them, who they could touch and have fellowship with, this generation stood and mocked the Son of God as He hung on that cross. As Stephen while he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he, he would later tell them in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, he said to them, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed these who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Well, we know what happened to Stephen, don't we? He was immediately 
killed for, for saying this. And these Pharisees, they just revealed their true character in how they treated Jesus, in how they treated the apostles. And no wonder Jesus says to them in verse 33, You serpents, you brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Let's take this to a much more serious level here. You know, forget for a moment the prophets and all the famous Christian leaders and, and martyrs of the past. How would we have treated Jesus if we were alive when Jesus was alive? Maybe you would say, well, I know that if I had been alive in, in that day, I certainly wouldn't have rejected Jesus' teaching. I know that I would never have done what the scribes and Pharisees did. I would have loved Jesus. I would have loved the apostles. I would have loved the, the, the testimony of Jesus that's recorded in the, in the scriptures. Maybe you would say that. But that's not, the, that's not the great question, is it? The great question is not what I would have done back then. The great question is... Do I love Jesus now? Do I love Jesus now? Do I believe what he said about himself now? Do I take up my cross and follow Jesus now? Do I obey his commands for my life now? That is the great question. And the question we all need to be asking ourselves is, how would we have treated Jesus if he was physically ministering among us today? Today. I don't think we can fully answer that question. But perhaps it would be worthwhile to consider it. Now what if he walked the 21st century? What if he came dressed like we dress? What if he came into our church and preached Matthew 23? What would be our response? Again, it's difficult to fully answer that question. But we can come to a fair conclusion by considering some important questions. For example, how, how do you treat the church of Jesus Christ, of which He is the head of? The way you treat the body of Christ is a, is a good indication of how you would treat Jesus if he was here in person. The local church is referred to as the, the body of Christ. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12. We see that in Ephesians chapter 4. We are guilty of the, the worst type of hypocrisy when we claim to love the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet we are not willing to commit as a member to his church. Remember when Saul was persecuting the church, the Lord confronted him saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's what Jesus said. He was not persecuting Jesus physically. He wasn't there physically. Jesus had already ascended to the Father. But because Saul was persecuting the church, he was persecuting Jesus as well. How do you treat Jesus today? How do you treat his church? 
Jesus Christ takes very personally how we treat his church. Think about the relationships that we have with people in the church. Do we serve them unconditionally or do we have conditions? Do we come to church to consume, to get what we can from it? Or do we come to church so that we can contribute, so that we can serve? And how do we treat the people of God who mistreat the Son of God? We are guilty of the similar hypocrisy when we claim the name of Christ, yet we will not treat our brothers and sisters the way that we should. How can we say that we love Christ when we do not love the brothers and sisters? We learnt about that in 1 John. We claim that we would not deny Jesus as Peter did, yet many who make such claims deny him on a, on a weekly basis by refusing to even gather together as a corporate body. We need to examine our hearts. How committed are we really to Jesus Christ? We must consistently look at our, at our own lives and ask, where am I in my relationship with the, with the Lord? I was just so blessed this holiday. I know people go on holidays during the summer. There was a family that came to me and said, Pastor, we, we're going to visit this place for a few weeks. What churches can we go and visit while we are on holiday? Do you know of any good churches that we can go and worship with. Wow. You know, these people get it. They committed to the body of Christ. They understand God gives blessings. They understand God gives holidays. But they understand that God doesn't go on holiday either. They wanted to worship God. They wanted to go encourage the other local body of believers in the places where they were going. Where are we in our relationship with the, the Lord? The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31, he said, If we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. We're going to look at that passage in a moment as we come to the, the Lord's table. But I want to challenge you all this morning. If we are willing to judge ourselves be honest with ourselves, then we will not be judged by God. And we see here clearly in this passage, Jesus judged the Pharisees because they were not willing to judge themselves. They were not willing to examine their hearts. They were not willing to humble and humble themselves and hear the truth, the truth that was spoken by God Himself. The Pharisees were self-righteous. They believed that they were better than everyone else. And they refused to examine their, their own hearts. Now, Jesus is gentle. Jesus is humble. Jesus is loving. That's why He sent us His Son. So that we don't die in our sins. And if we reject Him, understand that He is also holy and that He is just and He will give us what we deserve, folks, if we are not willing to humble ourselves. So let us not be like the Pharisees 
who criticized and judged others. But rather, let us, let us do some serious self-examination this morning. Have you been saved from your sins? Do you know for sure that you are right with God? If you were to die this morning and you were to stand before God, do you know 100% for sure that you would be welcomed into the, the presence of God? How committed are you to the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we take the communion. Father, we ask you this morning, please, Lord, to allow the Spirit of God to bring us to the point of conviction. That we would not resist Him this morning. That we would not allow our flesh, that we would not allow the devil to make us hard and cold to the things of the Lord Jesus this morning, to the Word of God this morning. We pray, Spirit, that you would give us a heart of flesh, that we would repent where we need to. As we heard earlier on, there is in all of us some oil of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in us. Please, Lord, may we not be looking around and judging the person sitting next to us, but may we be willing to judge ourselves. Are we living lives that are pleasing to God? Are we not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? So, Lord, please do your work amongst us, even as we respond now, shortly in the Lord's table. For your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.